everybody, and welcome to this edition of Sunshine Boys Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, along with Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. And week one in the NFL season 2016 is finally in the books. And gentlemen, what over this past almost, well, let's see, four or five days of an opening of the National Football League season struck you guys as being some of the highlights? Ira, we'll start with you. I think what pleases uh, Roger Goodell the most, uh, Jim, is we're not talking about uh, the flake gate and suspensions um, and maybe not even kneel downs uh, in terms of the national anthem. Uh, but we're talking about great finishes, close games, surprises. Um, and let's admit it, uh, the NFL's number one for a reason. Guys, you, you never quite know what's going to happen. Uh, on Sunday, and uh, these one-point finishes were uh, absolutely fabulous, Joseph, and uh, including your Bengals in the in the Big Apple. That was uh, that was a nice win for the Bengals. Um, the uh, AJ Green was just—I uh, don't know what superlative you would use to describe that, but I know what the uh, New York media was doing was they were saying it's the end of Darrell Rivas as we know him because. Uh, Revis tried and failed to cover him uh, all day, but yeah, what what great finishes! Your Chiefs, Ira, giving up for dead uh, in the second half, come back to beat the Chargers. The the Dis- finish disgraceful, Joe. Disgraceful by the Chargers. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. Just totally. And then they they uh, you know, uh, but isn't that typical Chargers? Isn't that what they do? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then you've got you know the. Um, the Raiders Saints game <laughs> uh, with with uh, Jack Riverboat Gambler Del Rio putting on his best Ron Rivera and and going for two um, and the but, and the Giants Cowboys Joe Giants Cowboys another, another good one but I'm gonna this may sound uh, hometown because I'm in Tampa but Jameis Winston oh my goodness on the road. Uh, in a tough place to play in the Georgia Dome. Now, Atlanta, there are a lot of questions about the Falcons, um, and, and there should be after after this. But the, could the Dirk Cutter era have started any better, Ira? Jim, I, uh, Jim, I assume you did not watch the Bucks game, but I got to tell you, uh, it was impressive. Uh, you know, well, people say you got to beat the teams you should beat. Well, Jim, the Bucks don't do that. We're not nice. used to that. Yeah. Uh, my research, my original research, Joe tells me, and I had to dig into the files. It took me an hour to go over this, but Jim, this is the first time in franchise history, even back when you were uh, following this team in the in the late seventies, first time in franchise history, the Bucks have sole possession of first place in their division after opening week. It has never ever happened. And I know it's only week one, Jim, but they're going into Arizona. And Arizona didn't look particularly sharp against New England. No, and that's a good point, Ira. Um, As everyone listens to us here on the Sunshine Boys podcast, I'm Jim Williams, sports director of Sports Talk Florida. And I've got Joe Henderson. You just heard Ira Kaufman there. You're listening to us on 
SportsTalkFlorida.com and BlogTalkRadio.com. Guys, uh, I think, Ira, your point about the Buccaneers getting sole possession of first place out of week one is a very, very good point. And a lot of, I think that uh, that's the kind of positive vibe if you're a a team like the Buccaneers that uh, can help you move forward. I mean, you, you want to get that positive thing. A win is great, but a win and then sole possession of first place, that's icing on the cake. You know, Joe, Joe, we are reminded again, you know, I know uh, the Lightning are starting practice in a couple of weeks and, and this and that, but, Joe, once again, we're reminded. Uh, when the Bucks are going well, uh, albeit briefly for week one, uh, this is a Buck town, this is a football town, and uh, nothing's ever going to change that, Joe. No, no, uh, you're you're absolutely correct. And going at you, you mentioned that Arizona wasn't particularly sharp this week, and the Bucks go out there. That that's still a pretty steep hill to climb. Uh, Arizona's going to play much better this week, and but even if uh, if they do not win out there, the Bucks will still come home in pretty good shape. Uh, two road games. Uh, they win, the, they split, and they uh, they get the one in their division. So um, I'm certain uh, Dirk Cutter's not looking at it that way. He's saying we want to be two and zero. But uh, you know, this is he he was saying last week that he thinks this team could be better than people think. And you know what a what a start for him. Even Austin Safarian Jenkins with a with a clutch catch of a of a beautifully thrown. Uh, touchdown pass by Jameis Winston, beautifully thrown. Absolutely. And Jim, can you imagine? Let's say the Bucks go out in Arizona and, and surprise the Cardinals. Like Jim said, unlikely, but not crazy. Um, Jim, they would come home for a uh, home opener uh, against uh, the Rams, who, who showed little life uh, against the Niners. The Bucks will be favored in that game. Joe, one of the few games they'll be favored in. Um, mm-hmm. That would be quite quite an atmosphere, Jim, at at Ray J that afternoon. It might be if they if they can come home two and zero. I would imagine that that would probably be one of the best opening games at the you know, opening days in the history of uh, of the Buccaneers. Well, people are waiting for it. The people, you know, five straight years in the cellar. Uh, you know, running through coaches like like you change shirts, um, a, a franchise seemingly in disarray. Uh, they seem it's clear they are pointed in the right direction. And a lot of people, a lot of the so-called experts, had them tabbed as a, a dark horse playoff team. So one game, everybody gets overly excited about one game, but it was a very good game. But gentlemen, I want to bring up another game. It has nothing to do with yes, the Buccaneers. Yes, all right, everybody was all excited because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, led the uh, the Patriots to a win last week. Good, good on him. But my goodness, what a beatdown the Pittsburgh Steelers put on the Washington Redskins, Jim. How do you explain this? Um, you might recall I said that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to the Super Bowl, yes, right? You, you are wrong. Yes, you You're wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> well, I could be wrong, but I said it. La, la, um, la, 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 I'm not listening. 
<laughs> okay. And, you know, I did say that the Redskins were their division. I didn't say they'd win that game. But, uh, look, the Steelers looked very good. I watched that game, and uh, there's very little they did wrong, frankly. Um, now, whether or not that's an indictment of the, of, the, of Washington or um, – you know, or Pittsburgh played so incredibly perfect that that's going to be uh, the way they play the rest of the year. I don't know, but I can tell you that uh, they looked impressive. They executed on pretty much everything they tried to do, and uh, there's no question that anybody who doubts that the Pittsburgh Steelers are in good shape uh, should no longer doubt them. I'll, I'll tell you that. Hey, one other thing, guys. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things, but one thing that uh, before we jump into other stuff the other two florida teams the seahawks you know the dolphins go all the way out to seattle that's the longest trip in the national football league and only lose by two points to the seahawks and they held them till the final seconds in that one and then you got a jacksonville team that plays tight with green bay all the way through uh that game as well so all three teams the bucks were the only ones to come away with a win but all three state teams afforded themselves quite uh, quite well in the first game of the season. I thought, uh, Joe, I thought the Jags missed an opportunity to, to make a statement. Uh, Jim's right. They played well, and Green Bay is going to end up being one of the best teams uh, in the National Football League. But they had a chance to, uh, to really uh, say something to their fans at home, sweltering conditions. Um, I just don't think they put enough pressure on, on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Miami's defense was rather impressive, guys, uh, in, in Seattle. Like Jim said, uh, you can't get a longer trip uh, on the map. But uh, they hung in with, with a very good Seattle team, uh, wilted a bit uh, at, at the end. But uh, not a bad weekend for the Sunshine State uh, teams uh, on the Sunshine uh, Boys podcast. Uh, we'll see how they bounce back. But – Joe, Jacksonville's got to win those games. They got to learn how to win those close games. It, it killed them last year, uh, losing shootouts, and uh, they had a chance Sunday. They definitely had a chance, and that's that last step where you can win those games, where you can stare down an Aaron Rodgers and, and beat him and make a statement, that has eluded uh, the Jaguars. They are... Uh, on paper, a much better team, but you got to prove it on the field. And uh, as we all know, you don't get the pity claps in the in the National Football League. You don't get, oh, nice try, guys. Uh, you win or you lose, and they lost, as did the Dolphins. The Dolphins will feel like they should have won that game, and uh, maybe they should, but. Uh, Less bad on them going into a place like Seattle, which, as we all know, is incredibly difficult uh, atmosphere, uh, coming out with a two-point loss. But then, yeah, I looked at the Jaguars uh, and just said, you know, you're going to regret that one. That's one that got away. Well, especially when well, you're, you know, you you got to win at home, and yeah. if you have a chance to upset a Green Bay team right out of the gate. In day, you know, game one, because we know the Green Bay will get better as the season goes on. It's just how the things happen. 
And, you know, as Ira said, and Joe, you, you said as well, to let that one get away and to let it get away in on your home field when you could win that game and, again, get that buzz that the Buccaneers are going to have uh, all week long. They won their game in, in uh, you know, on the road in Atlanta. Now they go out on ro- the road to go to Arizona and play that game. You know, there's a, there's a bit of a swagger in the step, and uh, that step isn't the – there's no swagger in Miami and no swagger in Jacksonville this weekend during practice, just another practice trying to get ready for their first win. So, yeah, one more uh, point. About, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, one more point. One more point about your beloved Steelers, James. Uh, yes, sir. What you know? What impressed me the most, uh, besides Antonio Brown, is absolutely fabulous. Uh, along with AJ Green uh, and mm-hmm. Julio Jones. I mean, uh, boy, what what an era for uh, wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald ain't too shabby either, gentlemen. But what impressed me the most was when Washington got back in that game. Had the home crowd buzzing, all the momentum. Here come the Steelers and just grind them into dust on that drive that put the game away. To do that on the road, Joe, very impressive. A lot of teams can't do that. They would have ended up going three and out, give the give the skins the ball back and hold on for dear life. Pittsburgh didn't do that, Joe. They put that game no. away and turn the momentum around. Not easy to do on the road, Joe. Well, and hats off to D'Angelo Williams. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> John Gruden had a great line on TV last night. He said that uh, Williams got, got him fired when, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. by the way, he, he played for Carolina against the Bucks, and now he's, he's tormenting his brother. Uh, the guy is ageless. He's, he's – I, I – can do nothing but tip my hat to him. What a, what a performance. What he gained 130 some yards last night. Uh, everybody was going, Oh, they're missing Le'Veon Bell. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to give the ball to D'Angelo Williams and, uh, they're just fine. So well done. You know, and that's, this has kind of been the history though of Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he is a closer and and I think that's to your point, Ira, is that, that, uh, He's a master at closing games out, and that's been his his signature uh, as long as he's been the Steelers quarterback. Is that's that final drive that when the money's on the line or when you you know when he does understand, and there are some quarterbacks and you guys know him that don't understand the importance of knowing when to you know put a dagger through the heart of your opponent and. Ben Roethlisberger is the king of putting the dagger in the hearts of his opponents. Oh, tell me and about Joe, it. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, why, why, uh, why were there no defensive adjustments by the Redskins in terms of Antonio Brown, Joe? I don't, I don't understand that. Well, I, I think you can adjust all you want, and he's still going to beat you. Um, and where, where's, where's Josh Norman? Where, where is this guy? I mean, well, uh, he talks a good game, but, you know. Go cover the best. Antonio Brown is the best receiver in football. You, you, we must concede that. Is there? Do I hear I, a dissenting I opinion? Agree. I'm not going right. to say it. So there you go. Um, when you're the best, you're you better play like the best, and and he did. But let me make one small point here, gentlemen. Looking ahead to next week, it is very unlike the National Football League to miss 
a marketing opportunity. Would you agree? Yep. So explain to me, for reasons that I can't possibly fathom at this point, why in week two, with Vontez Burfecht still on suspension, you have the Bengals, my Bengals, going into Pittsburgh. Why wouldn't you wait until week four or whenever he comes back and say, all right, that's your Monday night football game, ladies and gentlemen, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, Vontez Perfect back on the field. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, the other part of that, Joe, is you'd have Le'Veon Bell coming back the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And so it would be, you know, I I just – I. I thought that was so obvious after all the, the kerfluffle last year. And it's, it's to my knowledge, not even a national TV game. It's a, just a regular old, you know, Sunday afternoon football game. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised about well, that. I look, any, anytime the Steelers and the Bengals play, it's not just in any other Sunday afternoon football game. Well, but it, what my, my point is it's of national interest. Right. And, you know, why wouldn't you want to showcase that? Name me a better game coming up this weekend. Go ahead. I can't. Uh, and Joe, are your, are your Bengals going to take care of business uh, Sunday? Uh, I'm uh, skeptical, uh, to be honest with you, because um, of the way Pittsburgh – we maligned – I maligned Pittsburgh's defense last week. All right? So and that, that's the, that's the question mark. They absolutely crushed – the Redskin running game. Now, you can argue the Redskins don't have much of a running game, um, but the Bengals, to be able to beat them, will have to be able to run the ball. And uh, that's going to be a very difficult job uh, uh, against Pittsburgh. So you have to – what's interesting is I, I have, I'd have to go back and look it up, but last year – the, I know that the three games those teams played, in, including the playoffs, the visiting team won every time. So go, go figure. But uh, no, you've got to look at the uh, and say, all right, for the Bengals, if they can go, uh, you open at the Jets and at the Steelers. If you get out of that one and one, and, and I know the Bengals aren't thinking that right now, they're thinking two and oh. But again, it's kind of like the Bucks. You know, you. You you take the uh, you almost have to be happy with the split in that point. In this case, though, it is a division game, so there is that. Tell you what, guys, why don't we step aside for a moment, pay some bills, come back, and we'll put a bow on the first week, and we'll take a look at what's going on the second week. I'm Jim Williams, sports director of SportsTalkFlorida.com. With me today. As always, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. You are listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast on sportstalkradio.com and blogtalkradio.com. We're going to step aside for a minute, pay some bills, and we'll come right back. Welcome back to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, sports director of Sports Talk Florida, along with Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. And we were putting a bow on week one of the National Football League. And guys, um, any other 
performances that uh, piqued your interest in uh, in the first week of the National Football League season, circa 2016? The uh, the Raiders have the look of a dangerous team, gentlemen. They do. Uh, Derek Carr, one of the uh, members of the the young vanguard with Jameis Winston and a Blake Bortles. Uh, Carr is sensational. Uh, Amari Cooper, Joe, is a guy who in about two years might be mentioned uh, in the group with Antonio Brown and A.J. Green and Julio Jones. I don't think that's a stretch. Uh, No, not at all. Khalil Khalil Mack, as Joe mentioned last week, is a young monster. Um, And the Raiders are playing with confidence. They went on the road, comeback fashion. they're a team to be reckoned with. Now, look, Denver's got the defense, no question about it. That's not going anywhere, Von Miller and company. Uh, and, and the Chiefs made a remarkable comeback. Uh, but don't count the Raiders out, uh, gentlemen, in, in the AFC West. Uh, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, it was a gutsy move by Del Rio to go for two there at the end. But I understand his logic. Um, Carr had looked like he got dinged up a little bit just uh, prior to the touchdown that set up the two-point conversion. And I'm now uh, Del Rio said he had already decided he was going to go for two if they were in that position anyway. But you're in a shootout uh, with Drew Brees. And if you lose the coin toss, he's going down the field. He's going to score. You're going to lose. So you, you've got the game in your hands right there. I commend him for going for it. I would have said the same thing if they'd lost. Uh, well done on him. But now you said, uh, Jim, you were talking about wanting to look ahead to week two. Yeah. How, how about the Dolphins at the Patriots? With that, with that defensive front that the Dolphins have, would they have seven sacks the other day? Yeah. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is 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 going to get beaten up in this game, and uh, the only question is, can the uh, you know can the Dolphins score enough to win this game? That's a, that's that's a problematic. Patriots will be favored, but the Dolphins uh, have a chance to make a statement if they can go in there right. and, and and beat the Patriots. So we'll, well see. That if goes back. That's a good point. That goes back to something Ira said. Uh, last week, and that Ira was uh, your evaluation of Ryan Tannehill. I mean, this is if ever there's a step up and show that you're, you know, uh, someone who's going to be a leader and a, you know, in the National Football League, this is what uh, this is what the leaders get paid to do: go on the road and win games you're not supposed to. And I don't think anybody figures that the Dolphins is supposed to beat the Patriots. You know, uh, uh, Joe made a great point about Del Rio and and his strategy on the road. Um, And, Joe, here's a side benefit, an intangible. Uh, For a young Raider team, Joe, that's looking for direction and and confidence from a coach, uh, what a message that sends from Del Rio uh, to everybody uh, on that roster. Uh, Al Davis is is up there or down there, depending on how you feel. Uh, uh, he's, a, he's applauding Jack Del Rio, Jim, because 
was a very, uh, very much of, a, of an old Raider uh, mentality, swagger, uh, and quite frankly, that's been missing uh, from those skull and crossbones for, for quite a while. Um, boy, what, what, a, what a great message for Del Rio to send his team. Plus, they get the Falcons at home as their opener next week, so, this coming I, week. So, well, and and, wild. and you start to look at the NFC uh, South, the NASCAR division. Now, the the uh, you know Panthers are obviously going to rebound this week against the Forty Niners. Uh, that that should be a a fairly easy win for the Panthers, even though San Francisco did have a shutout uh, Monday night. It was against the Rams, so that doesn't count. Um, but the New Orleans in in the South has, yeah, okay, you still got Drew Brees, you still got some points, but same old defensive problems they had last year, Ira. And now the Falcons, you go out there and you lose this game, which you probably will, and all of a sudden now you're 0-2. And uh, the the vultures start circling uh, around uh, the Georgia dome before they knock it down. So uh, the Buccaneers, Buccaneers are looking at this going, well, why not us? So, you know, you know there you go. Jim, Jim, I'll say this. I don't think this is a stretch. Uh, if the Saints didn't have Drew Brees, they didn't have him. I, I think that's, that's a 4-12 that's a football team or 3-13. and 13. Uh, they don't have a lot going for them. He makes those receivers, the Willie Sneeds, guys like that. I mean, uh, you know, Breeze makes these guys, and uh, that that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, Marcus Colston, nice receiver, but uh, without Breeze, he's just a guy over the years. Uh, you talk about a, a, a city and a franchise that, that's wedded to a player, uh it doesn't get more than Drew Brees in New Orleans. That's not a very good football team, but like Joe mentioned, they always have a fighting chance every week because uh, because of the gunslinger. Absolutely right. You're listening. That was Ira Kaufman right here on the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from Sports Talk Florida. Joe Henderson with us. You're listening to us on Sports Talk Florida.com and Blog Talk Radio. Um, you know another game. That's kind of interesting when you look at the schedule. Is the um, is the game this week between the Jets and the Bills? I mean, that's a Thursday night game. Quick turnaround for both teams, and uh, you know it's hard to say in week two that there's a must win, but I don't see you know if, if these guys have any expectations of playoffs. I don't think that either one of these teams can get down 0-2 and, and make it back. Am I going a little overboard early, too early in the season, guys, on that one? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, it's particularly if you're Buffalo and you're playing at home, you're playing a team that we know Rex Ryan would, would dearly love to beat, uh, as, as they did last year, uh, kind of a tough loss for the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. And – so uh, Buffalo can't feel good about their first week uh, loss. You've got to win the football game. It's that simple. You have to win. And uh, 
so the Jets looking at it the same way. It's a division game. Both these teams are 0-1. Uh, it's it's going to be lights-out football. And um, I kind of like the Jets in this one. You, uh, you don't want to fall behind uh, New England, uh, Jim, uh, while Brady is serving a suspension. Certainly. No. Uh, now, uh, Joe, you should have heard some sports talk. Uh, I was listening uh, the other day. And uh, some of these Jet fans, uh, they're, they're, they're standing on the ledge already. I mean, one week in, uh, they're killing the coach. They say he's gutless. Uh, you know, they're killing Fitzpatrick. Uh, uh, Jet fans are very fickle, Jim, like most NFL supporters, but particularly the Jets. And, uh, you know, they're, they're thinking, uh, well, uh, you know, we're in bad shape in the wild card already. We're not, we can't win the division. Uh, one week in. One week into this season. Uh, so, Joe's right. I, I like the Jets. Um, they got a good defense. Now, look, A.J. Green can burn anybody. I'm a little shocked uh, how quickly uh, the locals have turned on uh, Revis. Uh, Revis has been so good, so great for so long that uh, to watch the slippage, which is natural as you get older, uh, and, and, you know, he had that knee injury. Um, that didn't help. Uh, he's not the old Revis, but the old Revis is, is a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I think he's still pretty darn good. Joe, some of the coverages on green were, were not bad uh, on Sunday. Uh, but like Joe said, great receivers make great plays. Um, Revis, Revis better get himself together or uh, – they're going to try to run them out of town over there, and the New York Post is pretty good at it. <laughs> well, and and while we're tossing around uh, Hall of Fame accolades, how about for A.J. Green? I think he's making a case for himself, and uh, Hall, Mr. Hall of case. Fame voter. And yeah. uh, so, all right, uh, A.J. Green won the matchup Sunday. But I think there are a lot of football teams in the National Football League that would be delighted to have Darrell Rivas uh, on one of their corners. I don't think there's any question about it. By the way, Joe, when we talked earlier about it just being another game, uh, Mm -hmm. the Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers, for those of you who will go out or have your um, NFL season ticket or you go out to a bar to watch the game, that game will be broadcast on on CBS with Ian Eagle calling the play-by-play and uh, Dan Fouts, uh, one of the stronger and and under uh, appreciated in my mind, uh, broadcasters will be handling the call of that game. So in case you want to you know, know who's doing the game, that's Jim, who's doing the game. Yep. Jim, speaking of, uh, speaking of Dan Fouts, I don't know if I've mentioned this on this show, but um, at last Hall of Fame meeting uh, last year, uh, Two players were allowed to sit in on the meeting. This is the first time it has ever happened. They were observers. And it was James Lofton and Dan Fouts. And afterward, they were quizzed about their reactions, you know, to this nine-hour extravaganza. Uh, They were both very impressed uh, by the amount of research that the presenters do. Uh, They had no idea that it's this kind of back and forth on the Terrell Owenses and the John Lynch's and Terrell Davis's of the world. 
They didn't know that. Uh, and this year, guys, uh, those two are going to have a vote along with the media members. They will vote. Uh, and I don't know how you guys feel. Uh, I'm not talking about Lofton and, and Fouts in particular, Joe, but, you know, they talk about uh, the writers of prejudice. They're, uh, they're biased. Um, I think we're going to find eventually that players can be just as biased. I'm not talking about Lofton and Fouts in particular, but, Joe, you know that uh, you lean towards your teammates uh, and guys that you don't like are, are going to have trouble getting on your ballot. So uh, it, it's an interesting little experiment going on uh, uh, by the Hall of Fame committee. I agree. I think that you're absolutely right that, that you're only human. And you're going to favor your friends, and you're going to disregard your enemies. So uh, I think you're right, Ira. Uh, quick question: Are from well, you know, Joe was just talking about AJ Green as a possible Hall of Famer. Is it difficult for a wide receiver to get into the Hall when you put them up against <laughs> others? It's just to me that seems to probably the most the most difficult position to score, if you will, if you're a voter on the uh, Hall of Fame, have, to me, is the is wide receiver position. There's no question. And, Joe, that might hurt A.J. Green. Uh, in re- now, look, his career is far from over. Uh, by the time he's finished, he, you know, his numbers are going to be extraordinary, barring injuries. Um, but so were Marvin Harrison's guys. And, and he didn't get in first time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, an incredible, incredibly consistent performer for the Colts, uh, he couldn't get in his first time eligible. And, and Jim, uh, the reason uh, that you're implying, and you're correct, is uh, this pass-happy league, Joe, with with the rules the way they are, favoring offenses, understandably, uh, fans like points. Um, So I think these receivers get a little bit penalized, Joe, because everybody's got you know, a thousand catches uh, and a hundred touchdowns. Uh, you know, and 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 twelve thousand yards. And this is not Paul Warfield for the seventy-two Dolphins, Joe. Uh, these are teams that throw the ball forty times. Uh, you know, a game. So AJ Green will, will be facing that in a decade when his name comes up. Well, that's exactly right, and. But here's the thing, uh, what separates the, the, the elite receivers from the guys who just catch a lot of balls uh, is who makes a difference and who do you have to game plan for going into a game. And uh, you mentioned Marvin Harrison. Uh, you know, the, obviously he's a, a great example there are several guys in the league today who, who would fit that category, and I think Green is one of them. But let me ask you this. If the Colts had not won a Super Bowl, do you think Marvin Harrison would still have his nose against the glass waiting to get in? Because I think uh, that you've been in the room. I haven't. But i got to believe that if, if the Bengals never uh, – can even win a playoff game, much less the Super Bowl, that that's going to hurt A.J. Green in the end? Uh, to answer your Harrison question, uh, Jim, I, I don't think that would have hurt Harrison because 
championships, I think, are more important towards a coach. Like if Dungy had never won one, he probably wouldn't have got in. Uh, and a quarterback. And a quarterback. Uh, I don't think they hold it against wide receivers necessarily that they never won a Super Bowl. Uh, but Joe's right in one respect. When you play the high-profile playoff games that everybody watches, they leave an indelible mark on the voters' minds. Uh, but in Harrison's case in particular, Joe, uh, I think he still would uh, have a Boston Canton had they not won one. Okay, good. Well, you know, I don't know about you guys, but one of the other things that was entertaining to me uh, this first week was seeing uh, someone who's been animated and been very good at what he's done for a long time but hasn't had necessarily the the front-line opportunity to, to uh, express himself with it. And that's the uh, the new ESPN gang that includes former Buccaneer um, quarterback Trent Dilfer. I thought Trent afforded himself quite well this first week, even though he got himself in a little bit of uh, – problems with regard to um, not uh, supporting necessarily uh, our old buddy, the quarterback from the 49ers out there, who has uh, been very good at uh, at stirring things up in Colin Kaepernick. But I thought that uh, Trent did a, an outstanding job the first time out as a, a main uh, analyst on uh, on the studio show. I think so, uh, Trent Dilfer's terrific. I, I I liked interviewing him when he was a quarterback for the Bucks. He's a sharp guy. He's opinionated, um, and uh, he's very good in his role. So I completely agree with you, Jim. You know, Jim. One one thing that Joe and I always laugh about is um, the inor- the inordinate number, and I do mean inordinate. Uh, of, of people with buccaneer ties that have uh, made a successful transition uh, to the TV analyst role. It, it is really remarkable, uh, you know, from Gruden, uh, Dungy, uh, Shiano and, and Mark Dominic were doing uh, NFL Insiders. Dominic's still doing it, Joe. Uh, and mm-hmm. then you got the Keyshawns, you know, and Rondé Barber and Lynch and Joe, the the list just goes on and on. What what what's in the water here in Tampa? I don't get it. Well, uh, we're a place everybody wants to come to, and uh, a lot of good talent here. And uh, so why not? Uh, it, it is it is interesting. It is interesting. Uh, you what you point out, Ira, and and I would say out of out of all the guys you mentioned, I think John Lynch may have the biggest upside, and he's he's done pretty like good so him. far. Uh, but he's That's outstanding. Good call, Joe. Good, good call, Joe. Good call. He's moving up fast. Mm-hmm. He does. A, he does an outstanding job, and you're right. He, um, he's on the the Fox crew, and as a matter of fact, I believe. Let me get that uh, schedule real quick. See if I can find where he's going to be doing the games this week. Um, he will be. By the way, if you're going to be watching on. Uh, on Fox, it'll be Tom Brenneman and Charles Davis handling the play-by-play in color, respectively, on the uh, Tampa Bay-Arizona game. 
And John Lynch will be doing the Dallas-Washington game with Kevin Burkhart. So John will be in um, in in Landover this week, and uh, I may bump uh, into him. So you never know. But uh, Jim, if, yeah, um, if, go uh, ahead. If Aikman ever, um, if Aikman ever decides to pack it in, which you know it might be quite a while, but uh, Lynch would be ticketed for that number one job, uh, and he's told me. Joe, he's told me that he's got other networks uh, that are pursuing him. And, uh, you know, he may end up getting frustrated sitting behind Aikman uh, for that number one crew. And uh, he, he could he could change uh, networks. Uh, either way, he, he's got a very bright future. Ira, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet to you. You have a good relationship with John Lynch, right? Uh, depending on what happens in February in Houston, uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's get him on here. Ah, get him on our podcast. Nice. Let's, let's nice. make this happen. You can uh, do it. Now let's remember. Let's remember, he's two or three hours behind us. I he's think in, he's in Denver, he's in, right? All right, he's in Denver. Okay, two hours. And uh, you know what? I, I think I can do it, guys. I do think I can do it. I'll tell you what. Review of coming attractions. Right. You go ahead and do that. I'll I'll shoot for either Boomer, Esiason, or uh, Kenny Albert, or one of the guys that uh, do the play-by-play aspect of it, and go from that standpoint. But uh, speaking of Boomer, uh, Jim, you know, yeah. uh, isn't that isn't that Chris Berman's nickname? I believe. Uh, yes, at it ESPN is. In uh, his uh, name, nickname for since 1979. That's right. Hey, uh, seventy-nine is an original. Thank you for bringing up uh, Boomer, because um, which one? Asias. <laughs> no. uh, okay, just, was, just just make it for clarification's sake. Uh, understood. Uh, one of my another one of my all-time favorite guys to talk to, but but let's um, let's give a, a shout out and and send some healing vibes to to his old head coach Sam Weich, uh, who's mm-hmm. who as of this podcast is on uh, a waiting list for a heart transplant and, and Sam uh, coach Boomer uh, to the, to the Super Bowl in Cincinnati. And then uh, of course, later came down here to Tampa Bay. Um, and uh, you talk about a guy who was ahead of his time offensively. Uh, Sam's mind worked in ways that uh, other people's didn't. And he was a, he was a, ball to be around and and um wishing nothing but the best for him you know joe uh, you know better than anybody uh that that sam weiss came you know within one joe montana pass and a beauty it was to john taylor uh of winning a super bowl and and beating uh the great 49ers uh joe that game was in the uh in miami i believe and it's uh, in miami and um you know, uh, he coached his butt off in that game, Joe. Uh, going up against, you know, Montana, Rice, uh, all, all those Niners. And uh, might have well, played San Fran in that game. Well, I thought and, that and game was in Pontiac. No, it was – no, that was the no, first 49er uh, Bengals oh, Super Bowl. We had to, had to face them twice. I but, was, I was uh, remembering how absolutely frozen I was in the uh, – <laughs> But what a lot of people don't remember about that Super Bowl game in Miami was Boomer Esiason, who was uh, – forget Montana. He was the best quarterback in the league that year. 
Uh, he was hurt. Uh, I will. Uh, but uh, he put up just video game numbers. Uh, in fact, the NFL tried to legislate against the Bengals' uh, no huddle offense back then because they said it was just uh, too explosive. Defenses couldn't handle it. But he was hurt in that Super Bowl game. Uh, it was and it was his throwing uh, shoulder, and that did hamper them. I would have would have liked to have seen what they could have done if he'd been healthy. But you know that's that's the way the game is played. Well, guys, I'll tell you what. We're coming to the end of this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast with Ira Kaufman. You just heard Joe Henderson. I'm Jim Williams, sports director at Sports. TalkFlorida.com, and you're listening, of course, on SportsTalkFlorida.com and on Blog Talk Radio. And guys, how about final call? Uh, Joe, you just got uh, finished with a nice piece on um, good old Boomer Esiason. Anything? I know you'll be watching the Steelers and the uh, and your Bengals this week, and probably sneaking some peeks, uh, obviously, at the Buccaneers game. But uh, anything that uh, else that you'll be paying attention to this week? Well, the good news is the Buccaneer game isn't until uh, four uh, right, fifteen or something. So, the, right. so uh, I'll be uh, I may be drowning my sorrows by that point. But uh, no, I'm um, the the schedule this week is not overly exciting to be honest with you. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of bland. So. Uh, you know where my head's going to be at one o'clock on Sunday. And, uh, you know, the, uh, if the, if the Bengals can win that game, uh, that would be a huge, huge, as huge a step forward in week two of the NFL season as you can have. Ira, your thoughts. All right, Jim, uh, Joe and I have watched, uh, the Buccaneers under Dirk Cutter, uh, calling the shots for, for 17 games. And I think Joe would agree with me. This is not a fluke in terms of this offense. They moved the ball. And on Sunday, the difference was they got in the end zone instead of kicking field goals. Um, this is a formidable offense with Winston growing leaps and bounds, and he's got weapons. So, Arizona, uh, you're favored, rightfully so. You're the better team overall. but. Look out, because the Bucks moved the football, and they put up points, and this is going back for more than a season. They're, they're no fluke on that side of the ball, James. I don't doubt that you're right. As a matter of fact, after I get uh, finished in Landover, I will definitely be uh, trying to find a uh, watering hole somewhere where I can catch the uh, that second game between uh, – the Cardinals and the Buccaneers, because I honestly do believe that uh, the Buccaneers are going to go in there with some swagger, and uh, I wouldn't at all be surprised if they upset uh, the Cardinals. I know we talked flowing, glowingly, I guess would be a better way of saying it, about Bruce Arians last week, but uh, they didn't exactly excite the first week, and uh, uh, going into Glendale and, and picking up a win would be huge for um you know, for the for the Bucks, and I'd love to see it happen. So hopefully, uh, we'll talk next week about a two and O Buccaneers team that uh, gets to 
have that home opener against the um, woeful Rams. So that would be uh, pretty sweet. Speaking of pretty sweet, uh, it's time for you guys to tell us social media-wise where we can get in touch with you, where we can uh, follow you, and where we can uh, watch the game with you, if nothing else, via Twitter. So, uh, Joe, go ahead first. Well, you can find me on Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa. Cool. Ira? You can always find me on Twitter, James, at uh, at I Kaufman 76. And um, if you don't, when you get through with my tweets, you can, uh, you can uh, read uh, Miko Grimes' tweets. And there are many of them. Miko Grimes. <laughs> you get me at Wordman DC. And uh, that way I'm on Twitter there as well. And uh, always on sportstalkflorida.com, as is, of course, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. I hope that you've enjoyed this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. Again, I'm Jim Williams, your host, sports director of sportstalkflorida.com. And you've been listening to our show right here on sportstalkflorida.com and blogtalkradio.com. Until next week, I'm Jim Williams for Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast.